This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Psalm 45. I'm going to say the obvious thing. I don't want to keep this long tonight. Um, so I'll try and get me on finally and early. So we'll, but we'll see how we go. Psalm 45. It's not an awfully long psalm, so we'll just read, it. We'll read all the verses. It says, My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, for the peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your Lord, bow to him. The people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the richest of the people. All glorious is the princess in her chamber with robes interwoven with gold. In many colored robes she is led to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. In place of your father shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore nations will praise you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I, I was reading this psalm just a number of weeks back, and I've, it strikes me what a wonderful psalm this is. And the way it strikes me is that the psalmist here is in full meditation before the Lord. The Lord is the full meditation of his, of his mind, the Lord is the full meditation of his body, and the Lord is the full meditation of his heart. What does verse 1 says? My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. Church, there's no greater theme than Jesus Christ. There's no greater theme than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Spurgeon said of this psalm, he says, some here see Solomon and Pharaoh's daughter. He says, they are short-sighted. Others see both Solomon and Christ, but he says, they are cross-eyed. He says, well-focused spiritual eyes see here Jesus only. Amen. And I believe that's the truth of this psalm. There's other bits and pieces in it, but this is a psalm that glorifies Jesus. 
that has a full focus upon the person of Jesus Christ. Here's a psalmist, here's a man who is fully engaged. His heart is fully engaged. You know, maybe the psalmist has sat down and he's set a bit of time aside and he says, I'm going to concentrate and I'm going to focus upon the Lord. I'm going to get the word of God out before me and I'm going to meditate upon the beauty of him. And to have your heart involved and to have it overflowing, it takes time and it takes a, a, a definite action of setting time aside to really focus upon God. You know, how many of you just walk into your prayer room and, hello, God, I'm here, and God says, nice to see you. I'm just going to pour it all out upon you. It doesn't work like that. But great if it would. And periodically, there's times like that. But there's times when we have to push in and we have to force our way in and we have to focus our way in. And then all of a sudden, our heart is engaged. You know, we come into church on a Sunday and that's why pastors always saying about coming in a bit early, getting your, getting in the the mood, in the zone, for want of a better way of putting it, getting into the atmosphere. Or sometimes I hate if I'm ever late for church, and you come in at five past eleven, they're well into the first song, and it takes you two, three songs nearly to get yourself focused and relaxed. But this psalmist has set the time aside and he says, my heart overflows with a pleasing theme. His heart is fully engaged. It's a pleasing theme. There's no greater theme than the Lord. What does the scripture say? His name is like honey on my lips, your spirit like water to my soul. Sorry, the song we, we sing, your word is a lamp unto my feet. His name is like honey on my lips and your spirit is like water to my soul. We need a heart that's fully engaged and the psalmist here's heart is overflowing with this pleasing theme. Fully engaged. This isn't just he's going through the motions. This isn't just the same prayer after prayer after prayer. It's not the same phrase that he just keeps repeating. He's coming in and he has met with God. He has met with Jesus Christ. It's not, it's bubbling up within him. It's as if he can't contain it. And it's starting to come out and it's starting to overflow. You know, many's the time I go into my prayer room and I, I'm just being con confessing. Times it just feels like there's a little trickle coming. But I want, and I know you want, your hearts to overflow, that it overflows with praise and honor and glory unto Jesus Christ. He's thinking about the virtues. He's thinking about the attributes. He's thinking about the wonders and he's thinking about the greatness of God. And as he thinks about those things, his heart starts to be engaged and he starts to overflow. What does it say? I address my verses to the king. The king is the only object. I address my verses to the king. The king is the object. There's no double heart here. There's no distractions. His heart is fully engaged, and there's only one focus. This is the king who is worthy. 
His heart's not split. His heart's not pulling one way and the other. His heart is fully engaged and he's addressing his words to the king. And it's a wonderful thing that the king would allow us to come into his throne room and address our words to him. We are a privileged people. The church of Jesus Christ is privileged to come into the very throne room and to give our verses to the king. As we're singing songs tonight and this morning, we're singing our verses to the king. We're lifting him up with praise and with worship. I know I'm not telling you anything dramatic tonight, but this psalm magnifies the Lord. And there's times when we just have to magnify the Lord. We're singing the songs and addressing the verses to the king. It says he has the tongue. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. I was looking at some commentaries about this. And this isn't just a scribe scribbling something down, just taking it down as someone's speaking it. This is the man who has looked into what he's going to write. This is a man who is intricately writing down what is in his heart. There's thought in it. It's not just, I praise you, Lord, I praise you, Lord, I praise you, Lord. As good as that is, but he's constructing the sentences and he's given God his true value and his true glory. You know, pastor said before, you know, when it talks about the mercy of God, but then sometimes it says the tender mercies of God. Lord, you've shown me mercy. But there's times when it's, God, you've shown me your tender mercies. You've shown me your loving kindnesses. He has thought about what he is saying. He just didn't rush in and think, I'll give God this and I'll say this and I'll say that. This is a scribe who has thought about what he is going to say. He has taken his words serious and he has made the, his words are of utmost importance because they're going to convey something to Jesus Christ. They're not babblings, but they're solid, deep, profound praises of a mighty king. We wouldn't go to the Queen of England and say just what the first thing that comes out of our mouth. Now, we may be nervous and something may come out, but we think about well, what will I say if she says this or if she says that? How much more when we come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Let's think about the words that we're saying. Let them be solid. Let them be deep. Let them be profound praises to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, you know this, and we've talked about different songs that we would sing. And there's some songs that really, I don't really want to say better than others, but it's the only way I can put it. But they talk more deeply about the greatness of God. And you notice, and I notice, they're the, the times they're the songs that move us the most. We sung songs this morning and sung tonight, songs tonight that moved us. Because there's some words that are profound. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Three in one. That's doctrine. That's theology of the Bible. And that moves God's heart. And that moves our heart. His tongue is like, a, uh, uh, his tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. Let us think 
about what we're giving God. Let us come before him with an attitude and a heart that acknowledges this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Imagine with me, if you will, you went into a, an art gallery. And I, don't, I don't go to art galleries that often, so I love to use my imagination as well. But you know what I'm saying. You go into an art gallery and you see a pictures on the wall. I want you to imagine a huge picture frame. Because this, I believe, is, is, a, is a picture of what this psalmist is saying. He walks in and he looks at a picture. This psalm is a picture and it needs a huge frame because this frame contains the glories of God. This frame is full of the glories of God. Do you ever go into a, 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 a gallery and you, you see a small wee picture and the frame's that size and there's a border around it? That's not the sort of picture this is. This is a picture where the action, the glories of God go right to the edge. They fill the whole frame. It fills our whole eyesight. It fills our, our full field of vision. This psalm talks about the glories of God and it takes a full frame to fill it, to contain it. Imagine that frame for a moment because the psalmist has the full, in his full view the glory of God and it's a view that takes your breath away. It's a view that takes his breath away. What does the Bible say about God? Think upon these things, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are, are worthy of praise. Think upon these things. This view, this picture frame is filled with the glory of God. In verse two, what does he talk about? You are the most handsome of the sons of men. He's focusing upon the attributes of God. And he's saying, you are the most handsome of the sons of men. He's focusing upon God's attribute of beauty. In verse 3, he says, gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one. He's focusing on God's great power and might. <coughs> Psalmist says, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Verse 4, in your majesty... He's focusing upon the majesty of God. He's thinking he is so majestic. This frame is full of the attributes of God. In verse 4, again it says, ride out victoriously. He has in view God's victory, victor, victorious battle. Harry is victorious in battle. He is a God of victory and always will be. Amen. In verse 4 also, for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. That's more attributes of God. He is a God of truth. He is a God of meekness and he is a God of righteousness. This picture frame is struggling to contain the glories of God. In verse 5, your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall onto you. He has in view the omnipotence of God, the all-powerful, almighty God who reigns and rules. In verse 6, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. He has the eternal glory of God in his sight. God, you reign forever and 
forever. Your throne will always be there and he will always sit upon the throne. Verse 7, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. He's a God of justice. He's glorious in justice. He's glorious in his judgment. All God's judgments are glorious. So you can see this picture frame is struggling to contain the glories of God. God's word is glorious. Verse 2, grace is poured upon your lips. The word of God is glorious. You have a Bible in your hand tonight or maybe on your phone. God's word is glorious. Grace is poured upon your lips. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul. This is the glorious word of God. And you and I hold it in our hands. Let's not take it for granted. God's word is glorious. He is glorious in battle. Verse 3 to 5, we're just going to comment some briefly on these things. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. What a sight God is in battle. All glorious in battle. You remember the story of Elisha, how him and his servant were surrounded. The enemy had come overnight, and the servant came out in the morning and looked at what was around, thousands upon thousands. And he says to the prophet, how will we do? But the prophet says, prayed to God and says, open his eyes, Lord. And the mountains were on fire with the glory of God in Baal. And he's seen the, the, the host of heaven. And the prophet says, there are more with us than there are with them. Hallelujah. That's a picture of the glorious God in battle. And he is for us and not against us. And no weapon formed against us will prosper. Glory. Why? Because he is glorious in battle. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one. What is the sword? You know that better as well as I do. The sword is the word of God. It says it's sword on your thigh. Gird your sword on your thigh. What does that speak of? Strength. Stand on the word. It's firm. It's a firm foundation is the word of God. We can stand strong in it. We want to stand in the word of God because that's what's going to carry us through. He has given us all that we need. It's firm beneath us. We're singing a song here tonight. We're going to see the promises. We're going to see the promises of the word of God. And we stand on the promises of Christ my Lord. Let us stand on the promises of the word of God because he is glorious in battle. Verse 4, in majesty, ride out victoriously. That's an unusual way of putting it. Ride out victoriously. That tells me the battle is already won. And he is riding out 
to claim the spoils of victory. He is riding out to claim the spoils. Ride out victoriously. The battle is already won. Church, no one can stand before God. The world shouts and screams and shakes its fist at him, but no one stands before God. When he walks, rides out in, in battle, he is riding out in victory. And that victory is ours in him. Ride out victoriously. Ride out to victory. But what a just cause he rides out for. For the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. That's the cause that we fight for. For truth, for meekness and for righteousness. That's worth fighting for. We stand with him for the cause We stand for the truth in a hostile world that is becoming increasingly more hostile. We stand with him for the cause of Jesus Christ. We stand for truth. We stand for righteousness. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Truth triumphs in humility and righteousness. Again, the psalmist is just magnifying the Lord. This frame's filling up fast. It's running out of space because it can hardly contain the glories of God. Verse 5, your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Arrows are sharp. Do you remember when you were a child and used to play cowboys and Indians? And you used to rip the sticks off the trees and you've got your, your lace or whatever it was and you strung it between it. And you got another one and you sharpened the end of it and you pulled it back and it went from here. It wouldn't even reach, reach Clifford, but in your mind it went 200 yards and killed all around it. But listen, the arrows of God are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. God is on our side. God's weapons are effective. Listen, it may not look like it at the moment, but God will bring you through and he will fire his sharp arrows and they will be effective where you are. God's arrows never miss. Never miss. We need to stop fretting and stop worrying and stop thinking, God, where are you? And I say that to myself. God's arrows never miss. And he will do what he says he will do. They never miss and they always achieve. Wickedness will fall because God has ordained it. God will wrap this world up because he has ordained it. And he will take us to be with him in the new Jerusalem. And we will live forever and ever. Why? Because he has done it. He has said it and he will do it. God's weapons are sharp and they are effective. He is glorious in his reign. Verse 6. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. Church, he reigns forever and ever. He occupies the throne right at this moment. 
and he'll occupy it tomorrow, and he'll occupy it the day after, and he'll occupy it the day after that, next week, next month, next year, and for eternity. He occupies the throne. He is our God, and he is glorious in his reign. For thine is the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. That's it. He, his glorious reign. No one can move him from it. They can threaten, but they can't move him from it because he rules and he reigns. His scepter, the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. His scepter, he holds it out and he decrees. All his decrees and all his commands are right. What God decrees and what God commands are right and just and good. Now, there's times we don't agree with that, especially when it's in our lives. You think, God, why are you doing this? Could you not do it that way? But let us trust him. His decrees and his commands are right. I heard one guy put it like this. I was listening to something during the week. And he says, God doesn't do something because it is good and right. It is good and right because God does it. And there's a world of difference there. God does, and it is good and it is right. He is glorious in his reign. God's no tyrant. He doesn't rule when he's, a, when he's in a mood. He rules in righteousness. He rules fairly, and he rules good. We can trust his reign as he reigns over us. Moving quickly, verse 10 to 16. This is his glorious bride. His glorious bride. Hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your Lord, bow to him. The people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the richest of the people. All glorious is the princess in her chamber with robes interwoven with gold. In many colored robes she is led to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. This is God's glorious bride. And that's you and that's me. I nearly said we need to get that into our thick heads, but we do need to get that into our thick heads. We are God's glorious bride and he is coming back for a spotless, glorious bride and he is making us and he is molding us into that spotless, glorious bride. We should see him, verse, verse 10, hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear. If we're going to be God's, forget your people and your father's house and the king will desire your beauty. Let's let go of things. Let's let go and let us enter in to the fullness of God. Let us enter into fully what God has for us. Let us, when he comes to us, lay these things down and take up the things that he wants us to have. Let's lay them down. Let's bow to him in everything in our lives. Let's bow to him and understand that he is making us glorious. If God takes it away, he's got something better. If God says no, 
It's because he's going to say yes to something greater. Let us bow to God's will in our lives. Do you know, I was was thinking about Saul's daughter, Michael, who was David's wife. Do you know that it never, maybe you can correct me on this, but I just checked this out. She's always known as Saul's daughter, never David's wife. She's always known as the daughter of Saul. I think that tells us something. She could have been known as David's wife, but she was always known as the Saul of the, or the daughter of Saul. Forget your people and your father's house and bow to the king. Let's learn from that. She was always held on to her father Saul, even though she loved David. It says that. But she was always known as Saul's daughter. Let's let go and bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let us be that glorious bride. How is she dressed? How is she dressed? Verse 13. All glorious is the princess in her chamber with robes interwoven with gold. In many colored robes she has led to the king with her virgin companions falling behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. All glorious is the princess in her chamber. Some versions put it, all, all glorious is the king's daughter within. This not true beauty lies within. Now I'm not saying don't take care of your outside. Okay. Look after yourself. <laughs> I'm nearly tempted to say to some of you about going to the gym, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but anyway, listen, our beauty is within. It's within. He is our beauty. And he clothes us with righteousness. Our true beauty is within. Verse 16 says, In place of your fathers shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. The fathers of the past, the sons of the future. There's fruitfulness in our lives as we walk and live and move with God. There's a fruitfulness that should be in our lives as we bow to God. And God will bring that fruit forth and people will see it. And God will use it to draw people onto himself. But that beauty has to be seen and will be seen as we bow to him. God wants us to be fruitful. What a wonderful clothing God clothes us with. What fruitfulness he gives us. And we go forth with joy and gladness. What is the joy of the Lord? It's our strength. This is what we want to be clothed in. Joy and gladness. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The more we let go of, the more we gain. The more we let go off of this world, of our desires, of our plans, of our will, of our ways, the more we will gain. That's not the way the world thinks, but that's the way we should think because God has great things for us. We are called to be his glorious bride. And finally, verse 17, 
I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. This frame is full of the glories of God. But it caps it off with, he is glorious forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever. What am I trying to do tonight? Because this verse, this psalm encouraged me. It just shows us God. It shows us our Savior, Jesus Christ. And there's nothing like beholding him. When John the Baptist declared, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. What did he put first? Behold the Lamb. When we behold him, we see the glories of him. And we see his glory forever. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. I will. I will. Listen, church, let us examine the frame that we've been looking at. Is there bits missing? Is there a patch over here, maybe in your frame, that hasn't been painted yet? Is there a bit missing down here? It's like a jigsaw puzzle with a bit missing. Let's examine that frame. And if there's bits missing, then let us go before God. Let us open his word. Let us seek his face and say, God, will you fill these bits in? Will you show me your glory? Will you show me yourself? Will you reveal yourself to me? Because, Lord, I want a full picture of the glories of you because he is worthy. He will be praised forever and ever. There's one day this world is going to be gone. There's one day our lives are going to be gone. Robert Murray McShane said to the congregation, he says, there's coming a day when I'm not going to stand here in his pulpit. And he says, there's a day coming when you're not going to be sitting in your seat. Someone else is going to be sitting in it. And that's the truth of life. It's all going to go. But there's only one thing that remains. And that is the glory of God. He is worthy to be praised. Church, let us fill the frame with the glories of God. The psalmist filled the frame with the glories. You go and read that for yourself. There's so much more we could say. But he was captivated and his heart overflowed with it. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. Is your pleasing theme Jesus Christ? That doesn't mean, I'm not saying you just have to go and sell up everything and go and just think about him. You know what I mean. Are our hearts turned towards him? Is he our pleasing theme? My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just declare tonight that you are all glorious. Lord, we declare tonight that there is none like you. Lord, we thank you for today, Lord, that we have been found in your house. And we have been worshipping 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have been hearing his word, his glorious word. And Lord, it stirs us, it moves us, it challenges us, Lord God. But Lord, that's the way you work, that we may become your glorious bride. Lord, you are all glorious. Lord, there is none like you. Lord, I pray for your church tonight, Lord, that, Lord, that you would open their hearts and their minds and every area, Lord God, that they would be able to hope, behold more of your glory. Because, Lord, we just, we want to know you, Lord God. You have called us to yourself, Lord God, and you want to reveal yourself to us, Lord God. Lord, Moses cried out, show me your glory. Paul cried out that I may know him. Lord, we would ask tonight, let us know you. Let us know you, Lord God, in a fresh and new way, Lord God, that draws us deeper into your very being and into your very presence, Lord God. Lord, we magnify you. There is none like you. We give you the glory and we give you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.